All right. Hello, everyone. So first, the bad news. Derek is not here. He is traveling. Uh, but on to the good news. Uh, I have a co-host, a temporary co-host. His name is Ben Curtis. He's one of the co-founders of Honey Badger. We talked about them in a previous episode, and he is here to chat with us and let us know what's going on in his life. How's it going, Ben? Good. How are you doing? I'm awesome. This is our second Monday podcast, which is a new thing for us. We're doubling up, so huh? I'm doing a lot of podcasting these days. <laughs> yeah, you know, we just started uh, recording our own podcast as well. We're a few episodes in. We're doing a, a weekly recording so far. We'll see if we can keep that up, but uh, it's been fun. What was the uh, the motivation for that? Uh, you know, just to chat about the kind of things we're working on, uh, things we're doing, and um, we'll we'll see. It's just you know, Star and Josh are really interested in doing that, and I'm kind of just showing up for the ride, and it's been fun so far. At the end of the day, is it kind of like a marketing effort type thing, or is it more just like you want to create content? Like, what's what's the underlying? Yeah, idea? I th- I think the hope is that people who don't already know about us might discover us through that podcast. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So you're the occasional guest then. <laughs> well, so far I'm a weekly guest, and we'll see if they want to keep me. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Well, th- this can be your uh, part of your audition, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So one of the things that we often do is we sort of talk about what's going on, like just updates, what's new in the world of Honey Badger or your work. Like, what do you what have you been doing the last week or so? Well, you know, one big thing that's new with us is that we just got a new hire. So we recently did a hiring process. We hired our first developer. So it's kind of a big deal because, you know, the three of us founders are all developers. And so like bringing on another developer is huge for us. So yeah, we got a new developer. His name's Kevin. He's fantastic. And he just so happens to live in Portland. <laughs> so, you know, we, we were actually looking nationwide because we're, you know, we're a remote company. So we, we don't care where people sit, but uh, we just happened to find someone in our backyard. So that was kind of fun. You're something like seven years into this, I think. Yeah, let's see. We started, yeah, in 2012. So, yeah, coming up in May, we'll be seven years old. So it was the three of you for seven years or so. Mm-hmm. I know you've had contractors, yeah. Uh, but as far as full-time people, it was the three of you since the beginning. This is so. Yeah, I was reading your um, about page and seeing something like people are surprised to learn that Honey Badger is not a twenty-person company, and we've just been like it's been the three of us just kind of cranking away at it for all this time. And I have to say it was it was inspiring. So I'm I'm working on a software company myself now. Who knows what will happen in the future? But as of today, our ambitions are to keep it the three of us for a long time. Like profit per employee to me is like a really interesting and worthwhile metric as opposed to just like how many, how big are you? How many employees do you have? And so like we're hoping to optimize that for a while, but I have, I have no idea how it'll play out in practice. So I'm curious how it's been for you keeping that headcount so low. Yeah, we had the same goal to optimize the profit per employee, definitely. And so that's one reason why we kept it at three for so long. Now we're at five. So we, we hired a, micro, a marketing person a, a, a few months ago. And uh, really what it came down to, we, we would still be at three. We'd be happy to be at three forever, I think. Uh, but it just got to the point where we had too much to do and not enough hands, not enough time to do it. And so there were areas that we wanted to, to focus on that, like, for example, marketing. Like there are a lot of marketing activities that we always had on our list of things to do and just never got around to doing. And so we're like, you know what, let's just get someone to help us do those things. And you know, like you said, we had contractors for a while, but one downside to having contractors is that they're not really committed to being around for the long term, right? I mean, that's 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 the drill. So over time, we felt like, you know, we could really use someone who's in the game with us and is, is committed along with us to make Honey Badger more successful. So that's that's why we decided to expand a bit. 
you know, it's it's kind of nervous because like we've we have been just three for so long. We we know that we work really well together. We we worked together for years even before Honey Badger. So you know, bringing new people into the mix is always kind of risky. But the you know we've found some fantastic people to join us, and you know, in some ways, I wish we would have done this sooner uh, because it is so much nicer to have someone else to focus on you know thing A or thing B while you're focusing on all the rest. So I, I read an uh, interview with you, with uh, Garrett Demon or Demon, or whatever his name is. And uh, you said that that was actually kind of one of your, your things looking back. You, you wish you'd maybe brought on people a bit earlier. Yeah, yeah. It's it's always a trade-off, right? Because uh, the profit per employee is a really nice metric to maximize. I mean, that's we've we, Honey Badger has been really good to us. And what would that have looked like if we had spent more money on other people instead? Uh, you know, yeah. Also, I, I happen to know that you do a lot of documentation of your processes. My, my first thought on like, okay, bringing a new person into a group that has been just working amongst themselves for so long, there's probably so much institutional knowledge in your heads that you have forgotten that is, you know, required. But it sounds like you're actually fairly rigorous about getting things down, like written down. Yeah, you know, along the way, since we're in, you know, an ops-heavy company, we've had our share of fire drills, right, and things that have gone wrong, and and late night, and, and so on. And, and over time, we realized that, along with automating, like the self-healing infrastructure that we have, the you know the the bits and bytes and whatever, we also needed to really be able to document things so that, for whatever reason, if one of us isn't available, the others can pick up the slack. Right. And so over a period of years, we just made sure that we were meticulous about documenting everything that we could. And that, yeah, has been essential in being able to bring somebody else on because, you know, you don't want to spend like months trying to do a transfer of knowledge to somebody. Right. You, you want to have that person be able to get going and, and feel like they know what's happening without having to just basically interview you <laughs> for a long term. So. Uh, so, yeah, so we, we did spend a lot of time on that. And and uh, that's been it's been paying off for us quite a bit lately. Mm, I believe it. I, we, we've just started getting more serious about this. Like we uh, ended up signing up for Notion and just like creating this like company wiki thing. And it's, it's really useful. Like it's already, it's already being useful. Like we have like one of my co-founders is on vacation right now. And like, I feel like we have uh, some of his things that he does, you know, at least written down. Like we understand how, how the systems are supposed to work. Like I have aspirations to take a good chunk of time off this summer and one of my goals is like make sure that ever, like so not just a write things down but also engineer processes so that i can go do that right yeah that that was that was a big part for us so what was what was like the motivating event that got you to start like i really have to document this and actually start doing it it was actually <laughs> it was kind of like a small fire drill i forget something like one of our customers emailed to be like, hey, can I have another account or something? And there's this process of like, how do you do it? And like, it's clunky because it's we're early stage. And so it's like, well, you go in the Rails console and you type this thing and make sure to set this thing to that. And it's all, you know, twiddling bits by hand. So, and I was like away from my keyboard. And so I emailed some, like uh, one of my co-founders, like, hey, can you do this? And he was like, how do I do this? And I was like, oh yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. normally I do this and then this, and I send this email with this link over here. And it was like this whole thing. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, we're, I see. <laughs> I yep. get why people write these things down. <laughs> totally. The other thing was once I did start writing stuff down, I started kind of naturally spotting opportunities for improvement. So I'm still the only person that does sales. But as soon as I wrote down, like, here's what the sales process is, I was like, oh, this could definitely be better. And I was like, wait, like, why haven't I tried this before? Oh, I've just been kind of going through those motions kind of automatically without thinking about how it could be optimized. But suddenly when it's written down, it's obvious, like, where the flaws are. 
Yeah. Yeah. We, we found the same things and there are ways, you know, not only do you like optimize the process and you find steps you can skip, but you also find opportunities for just automating the whole process. Right. And you're like, Oh, if I add a button to our internal UI that does these three things, then all I have to do is click the button. And then over time, you're like, you know what? We don't have to click the button anymore. We can just make it happen automatically based on, you know, whatever. And that that's we've discovered that's been really helpful to us and we've been able to take off more time, take those vacations that we want to take. So that's that's nice. But also like an extra benefit is, you know, we've had acquisition talks here and there. And like having those processes documented is super helpful for someone who's interested in like, how does your business run? And what would it mean to me if I bought your business? What would I have to do? Right. And do I have to keep you around or, you know, can you go sail off into the sunset with you know, your sunset money? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that, but that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So yeah, another one of those things I wish I would have done sooner. Right. <laughs> yeah, totally. And that, that process too, of taking a process and making it more automated and then automating the automation. It's just like every every step along that path is so gratifying. Like, I don't know if that's a developer thing or what, but I love it. Until recently, if we wanted to onboard a new team, it was like I would go generate accounts for everyone, email them their credentials, like one by one. And like I had a template email, but it was still like this a lot of copy pasting. And now it's like, okay, now we have an invite link and you can just drop this in Slack and anyone that clicks this can join your team. It's like, oh my God, like why did I even wait so long to do this? And like we're, I'm, I'm working on the next step of like, oh, now you can just like, you enter your credit card over here and then it generates the link for you and you don't need me to email it to you. And just every little bit of that just frees me up for the next thing and, and also just feels so good. Yeah, next thing you know, you can you can take a few weeks off and not even have to bring your laptop with you. Yes, that is that is definitely the goal. I'll probably bring it just in case, but yeah. being able to is, is the win, I think. <laughs> how many hours are you are you working in a, a given week? Or like how... Hmm. Maybe that's a boring question. Like, what's, <laughs> what does your what do your weeks look like? Like, I don't care about the number as much. It's more yeah. like, that's how do they fair, feel to you? That's a fair question. I think I'm typically working. I don't know, twenty to thirty hours in a week, yeah, give or take. I mean, there's some weeks where I do more, and uh, not too many where I do less. But uh, it's kind of relaxed. Like we have a relaxed style here at Honey Badger. Uh, you know, back in the olden days when it, you know, there were more alarms and, and fire drill things, I was definitely working more. Yeah. Um, but as and, we've been and so this to, was like things blowing up, so it required more time because you're like, oh, yeah. we can't handle the amount of exceptions yeah. people are sending or something right, like that. Right, right. You know, scaling okay. issues was was the big problem. You know, it's like, oh, crud, now we've got to do, you know, 2x or 3x overnight kind of stuff. So, and things just break, you know, at certain levels. Um, but uh, but yeah, so typically my my work week is is pretty quiet and the three of us now five of us have tried to structure the business so that we're pretty asynchronous. Like we don't depend on each other to get things done. We don't work on projects typically that require a lot of day-to-day interaction. We can, you know, decide on something and then we go and just build that. I mean, we hang out in Slack and we, we chat and stuff. We're not like, you know, just hermits, but we don't really have to be here at the same time every day. And so Typically, we're just kind of doing our thing, right? If I decide this week I'm going to, I don't know, replace some infrastructure bits, right? I'm just kind of heads down working on that. And then, you know, handling customer requests as they come in because all of us try to handle customer requests all the time. That's actually kind of boring. I, you know, I think about people who like talk about, um, you know, Twitch or live streaming their work. I'm like, oh, mine would be pretty boring because I'm just, you know, typing here and there. Maybe I stand up and look out the window while I'm thinking about something, you know, but... Uh, Typically, you know, I'm in, I'm sitting in my office, you know, like nine to two every day. And then I go on a bike ride, you know, for on sunny days. 
do you work Monday to Friday usually then? Yeah, pretty much. Was there a time period where you said to each other, like, hey, let's let's work 20 to 30 hours a week? Yes. Or did that just kind of like, yeah? Yeah, no, yeah, we totally wanted to do that. The three of us were like freelancers and consultants and worked at startups, you know, so we've been in kind of crazy situations and we decided very much that we did not want that. And uh, one reason why we always said no to the investor calls was because we didn't want anyone expecting that from us. Like we were not going to, you know, push it into the red line area and just go full on. And that that was just not us. So, yeah, we totally decided that we wanted to keep our time low. And and even with like the hiring decision, too, it's like we when we posted our job ad, it was like, okay, your expectation is that you'll work about 30 hours a week. And you would be surprised at how many people were just like were flocking to that job ad because no, I would not. <laughs> uh, so, you know, but you know, we could have decided, oh, you know what, we don't want to spend that money on a hire. We'll just work forty hours or sixty hours ourselves, right? But yeah, we consciously decided that we wanted to keep that keep that low. So much of the benefit of this is that you can decide that. Like if you just if you start a company, but then you build a company that you don't really enjoy working at, or it's not tuned for what you like, how you want to work. That I feel like you've just completely missed the mark. And some people don't want to optimize for that, so that's fine. But for us, it was like, here's the kind of lifestyle we want to have. And so we're in the early days. I feel like we're still in that. I, like one of my questions for you is like, how long did it take you to get to that like stable infrastructure point where it's like things aren't blowing up overnight and whatnot? But I would like us to get there and be like, wow, the app is, is good. People really like it. It mostly just works and we don't have to jump on to support requests and say, we're sorry, it's broken kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that feels like the goal for sure. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I don't know, can't remember for sure, but I think it was two to three years to get to a point where I really felt like, yeah, I can go on vacation for a month. And that was actually, it went alongside with our business development. Like, you know, when we started this, we were we were working full-time jobs. We were also at, Josh was freelancing at the time. Uh, and so this is totally a side project. And so it took, a, you know, a little bit of time, a few months to start getting interesting enough revenue to actually like be able to, not worry that it was going to go away the next day, right? You know, we started off with one server, hundred bucks a month, and and uh, so immediately we covered that cost, right? Um, but it took, you know, I don't know, uh, a year maybe to get to a point where it's like, oh, we can actually start maybe taking some money back out of the business, right? And then you know, probably another year before we were full time on it. As as the company grew and and scaled, and the technology of our company scaled, then also like things like the the health insurance, the full-time paycheck, the 401k, all those things showed up, you know, gradually as well. So it was, it actually worked out pretty well. It would have been nicer to have all that happen faster, but uh, I'm not complaining. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you feel like you have made it or was there a moment that like something clicked? You're like, okay, now, now it's legit. Uh, <laughs> I think amusingly enough, I think it was like when we could buy health insurance, like a big company, <laughs> uh, you know, we're part of a, a group that's bigger than just us um, because I, you know, I, I paid for private health insurance for myself while I was, while I was freelancing. Right. Uh, Cause I had a one man agency. And uh, I think that's the time that I really felt like, yeah, we've, we've really made it. Like we had, we'd already been paying ourselves like full-time salaries at that point. And yeah, I think at that point I felt like, you know what, we're getting paid well to do exactly what we want to do and exactly how we want to do it. And to us, that's, that's living the dream. That. Mm-hmm. Nice. Do you, do you have a ballpark sense of how long it took to get to roughly back your like your old salary before you went full time on Honey Badger? 
it was probably a year and a half to two years, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds fast to me, actually. Do you listen to the Tropical MBA at all? Uh, no, I don't. It's a good podcast. They they have this like rule of thumb they talk about, which is like a thousand days to replace your old salary if you okay. strike out on a new business. Mm-hmm. So according to them, you're you're ahead of the game. Yeah, I've I've heard uh, other people say expect two years uh, to mm-hmm. have a sustainable you know revenue, and uh, I think yeah, somewhere in there sounds about right to me. Cool. We're we're, we're coming up on our first birthday, mm-hmm. so so you haven't you haven't quite replaced your full time salary yet. Uh, no, I wouldn't. Yeah. No, I would say I'm in no danger of having replaced my full-time salary. <laughs> we did just pay ourselves a little bit. We just had hey. our first like uh, dividend, uh, whatever that's called, disbursement or something. Yeah. Um, so that's that was exciting. That's a definite um, milestone. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, recurring revenue suggests there might even be another one of those next month. So that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, w- What we did in the early days was... We would, we actually kind of put a schedule in place where we we automated that, right? So we said, okay, what can we afford to do on a regular basis? Maybe it's you know fifty bucks a month to all three of us, right? And uh, so we we just started. I can't remember what we started with, but because we wanted to set our goal for ourselves that we would never fail on paying ourselves, right? Even if it was a meager amount, right? And uh, so we didn't really have like a revenue target, like we have to make X amount of dollars by such and such month. Um, but we did not want to let ourselves down. Right. And so we kind of set this and, and then every, every once in a while as cash accumulated in the, in the checking account, then we'd say, okay, we can bump up that to whatever. Right. And then, you know, one month it was that magic number. It's like, oh, well, we just replaced our full-time salaries, you know? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's an interesting way of framing that. I might have to run that by, by the guys and see what they think. I think the fun thing about that was, well, by that time, like Star and I, we had quit our full-time job because Honey Badger was too distracting to be able to do that and a full-time job at the same time. And so all three of us were back to freelancing at that time. And I would, I really wanted to be done with freelancing. And so like I had my magic number, right? And so every time we bumped up that distribution number, I thought, okay, now I can dial back my consulting by that much, right? Because I, I just need to keep keep that number even. So that was a way for us to, or for me, particularly to justify progressively spending more time on Honey Badger because I could see that that, that income was was bumping up on a regular basis. Did you say it took about like two to three years to get to the, the, like the infrastructure to be stable? Yeah, because we were just growing so rapidly in, in the early days. That growth has, is not as rapid now as it was then. And of course, now we have more automation in place to handle big spikes and, and things like that. And so, so yeah, so what we, what we found was like, we could get to a certain point and then things would just break. Like, oh, we've, we, we reached that 10x point or whatever x point where things just don't work like they used to work, right? And so we had to re-architect, right? And so, yeah, we had to go through that like, I don't know, five times before we got to a place where it's like, oh, we can now handle any any conceivable, foreseeable kind of growth that would come our way. Mm-hmm. I have this theory that like really good software takes two to three years and like it's okay in the beginning and then just it just it, it sounds like you maybe, maybe you're dealing with something different because you just kept having to deal with more traffic but even if you hadn't I, I don't think we're gonna have so much scaling concerns with our app but just to make it great i feel like is is actually a multi-year process and along the way it's okay and like you know it's 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 even good sometimes um but like to, to like have a really polished really awesome thing it just takes such a long time there's so many pieces that go into like a really good app yeah 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. So do you have like a roadmap of your like six or 12, 18, 24 months at what you want to have your software be? No, I would say we have maybe three months. We know what the most requested features are. And uh, we have a rough sense of the order that we think we're going to implement them. But we're, I was just talking about this today. So there's like, there's this big feature everyone wants right now, or like a lot of people want, which is multi-way calls. So we do one-to-one pretty well, but people are like, I want to loop in a third person or a fourth person. And the thing is that like unlocks so much complexity and it's kind of like a permanent complexity upgrade where it's like now every feature we have to think about, well, what happens if there are three people? What happens if there are four people? Like what, this just sort of, it adds a new dimension of complexity permanently. And so I want to do this thing that our customers want in the sales process. People are like, so do you have multi-way calls? And like, so I think there are things that like deals that we could close if we had it, that we maybe wouldn't, or at least customers that would get a lot more value. Like people that that are already paying customers, they say we would use this more if we didn't have to, you know, switch to a different tool when we wanted, you know, a third person in there. Um, And so like, we want to do this, but we think a, it's going to take a long time. B, it's going to be hard. It increases the complexity going forward. So it probably slows down feature development for other things. So having like kind of a hard time prioritizing this right now. So we're kind of just like biding our time. We've come up with like a couple different phases where it's like, okay, there's some refactorings we can put in place now that will like aren't the whole thing, but sort of get us set up to start doing the whole thing later. So maybe we can sort of roll this out in phases where it's like, all right, let's make some, some do some surgery behind the scenes that no one will even know, but that will make this thing easier to do later. And we can kind of do that because those are smaller. We can do them in parallel with other feature work. Yeah, I like that approach. Yeah, we've we've done that from time to time uh, with with bigger things, things that we know are going to take a longer time, or things that we know are going to affect like like all the data that we have, right? So we have to roll that in over time, right. let, the, let the data accumulate. For example, yeah, I feel like this is like really important to not fully dedicate ourselves to this thing just yet, even though it's the feature people want. Because I feel like so like there's just there are a lot of things to do, and it's pretty frequent that people send us like they're like how come I can't X? And we're like, wow, you definitely should be able to X. Or like, oh, yes, that definitely is a bug. Or like, oh, wow, that would be way better if that worked that way. And so there are these like shorter features that uh, I think are good ideas and also make us responsive, which I think is such a huge part of the value proposition right now. Like when someone asks for a thing and like it shows up a day later, that's just huge in the beginning. That's like part of our competitive advantage over, you know, Zoom or something. Uh, And so I want to maintain that. Yeah. Yeah, we've never done a long-term roadmap. Uh, we just, we don't believe in them. We have, you know, like, like you have big features that you're thinking about or that, you know, just rolling around in the back of your head that, you know, you want to tackle someday, but yeah, having the ability to turn around on a feature request the same day or the next day is awesome. And people love that. I mean, we get our best uh, feedback from people when we, when we do that. And it, it's fun. It feels good when someone can say, Hey, I want this thing. And you're like, Hey, I, I could build that today. I could do that. Right. And we just drop what I'm doing and go build that. And people just love that. Yeah. I feel like that's the game right now. It's like, this is one of the things we can bring to the table. There are things we can't compete on, but we can compete on speed and like responsiveness. And so like if someone, when someone sends us an email, I try to respond to it really fast. It's like, we care about you. Like we're, we're going to respond quickly because, you know, this is part of the game for us right now. And like once we get fat and lazy later on, maybe it takes a whole day to get back to you or something. But <laughs> right. For now, we're trying to get that, uh, get to that full-time salary so I can uh, go back to a 20 to 30 hour work week. There you go. <laughs> it's cool if you don't if you're not comfortable talking about this um, but one thing that i've been curious about is margins in SaaS companies so like i'm trying to figure out like okay if, if we hit what revenue level how much money are we going to actually be able to pay ourselves do you have a sense of what your margins are or like what they were in the kind of early ish days do you remember any of that stuff 
I actually have no idea. I, mean, I know what our <laughs> I know what our hard costs are, and so I could I could I could do the math if I was quick at math. But no, I don't. I, we don't track that number. I guess is is a better way for me to ask the question. So I don't really know. Um, I know they're nice and fat because we don't really have a hard cost. Like our, our hosting is our big cost and then salaries and health insurance. Like, but other than that, like we don't really have, we, we don't do outbound sales, right? So we don't have the people on the sales floor, right? Doing calls and we don't do paid advertising really. I mean, we have a little bit, but uh, we're definitely not like spending a lot of money on that. So most of our, most of our growth has come from word of mouth, uh, which is fantastic. We, we, we love our customers and they love us. And, uh, you know, we've done a lot of content and that has helped us quite a bit. So, yeah, we, we're not spending a lot of money on things besides keeping the servers running and keeping the people employed. I've seen you do two things that were good ideas that I want to talk about. <laughs> not that these are the only ideas, the only good ideas we've seen from you, but they're, they're two that come to mind. So one, one came up on the podcast a couple weeks ago, which is we signed up for Honey Badger. And there was this offer was like, hey, if, if you're willing to, you can just, you, your trial can just start now, like no credit card required, go ahead. But if you do put a credit card in, uh, we'll send you a cool t-shirt. And I thought that was like such a, a smart move. And I was wondering like where that came from, how's it working? We've always been a fan of, of nice t-shirts. <laughs> like we're, we're geeks, right? We love good t-shirts. And uh, we have this fantastic designer who way back when we, we asked him to give us some awesome t-shirt designs and he did, he really came through and people love these shirts. Like we've had them for years and we always get um, people asking us for them because they're, they're pretty cool. So, so Josh one day thought, you know what, why don't we just try this thing where we give away shirts if people put their credit cards in sooner. Right. And uh, so he like, sure, let's try it. Get the response rate has been fantastic on that. Like the take up has been incredible. Yeah. So I would, <laughs> wholeheartedly recommend anybody copy that particular thing if you have cool t-shirts right so yeah people people just love it and and like you mentioned on your podcast <laughs> the, the the second awesome part about that is it's free marketing right well not, not yes completely exactly free you have to pay for the shirt yeah. but but the, the the cost of the shirt is is negligible compared to the the benefit that we get from people out there with with uh, the, our logo on their back you know <laughs> Oh, which is just fantastic. So if you want some more shirts, feel free. We'll send you some more. Um, but yeah, that's worked out really well. So uh, yeah, definitely copy that. That's cool. Yeah, I love. I like that a lot. And it, it sort of just put me in this mindset of like, how else can I just bribe my customers to do things I want them to do? It's like we have this thing now where it's like, okay, you can, you can sign up for the first month uh, and then we just charge a flat rate for like your whole team for the first month because we want to get every, everybody in the product and like have everyone like try it out and, and hopefully enjoy it. And so it's like, okay, well, there's some people that just like never quite make it all over activation, right? They don't get it installed or they don't actually do a call. And I'm like, how do I just, how could I just straight up bribe these people? Like, hey, like if you do two calls in your first month, I'll send you whatever, or we'll give you something and like try to figure out some sort of interesting offer to people. And I feel like that's, I feel like that would just work. Like it's, it seems like a, like, why don't more people do this? Yeah. That's something that we've wondered too, because, uh, there's a hurdle with our product as well, right? People have to install some code in their application and then deploy the application before they can really see value. And so uh, we definitely have a drop off of people who like sign up and then never install the code. And so they never see any value. And so we're like, what, what can we do? You know, can we send them an actual honey badger like to encourage them? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, we haven't quite figured that out yet. So if you come up with some great ideas, we'd be happy to listen right. to them. I'll workshop that. You've been to MicroConf in the past, is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, like okay. lots of times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I thought so, yeah. You're going to be there this year? I'll be there. I'll be there for the growth, yeah. Excellent. Cool. I'll yeah, see you there fun. then. 
Yeah. Cool. I mentioned there are two ideas. There's one other one I want to share. Speaking of conferences, uh, and I like this a lot, which was uh, I went to a conference and I think it was RailsConf and saw a message in Slack from probably Josh, I think, which was, hey, um, Honey Badger is sponsoring a bus to drive people to In-N-Out Burger or something, some burger joint that was like the local fun burger joint. And it was just like, it's free. Just register over here and we'll drive you over there. And like, we're not buying lunch or anything. It's just like, we'll just get you there because it's like three miles away and, and you want these burgers because they're tasty. And I was like, that is the best conference sponsorship idea I'd ever seen. And, and I don't even think it was an official thing. Like, I don't, I'm not even sure that went through RailsConf yeah. at all. That not was just like that. a guerrilla marketing yeah. tactic. And I just, kudos, I loved it. Yeah, Josh is, Josh's unofficial title at Honey Badger is the guerrilla marketer. And we're, we're definitely into that. We're the scrappy and, and come up with kind of cool kind of stuff. We like before that, before that, we call that the burger bus. So before the burger bus, um, RailsConf, the year before that was at um, uh, Kansas City. And so we actually worked with the Kansas City local and we got a uh, barbecue bus. Like they have barbecue tours, right? Where you, you hop on the bus and they take you through the areas and you can see the historical kind of thing and then you go eat some barbecue right and so uh, th- that time we actually paid for dinner and uh, and yeah we've done that a few times and people love that yeah it's i mean who, who doesn't like to eat right and and hanging out with other with other geeks I mean, that's just the best so yeah those are totally unofficial and uh a lot of fun so yeah if if you've got the if you've got people who would be happy to eat and you got people who would be happy to talk to you do it because it's it's a lot of fun yeah. And the thing I like about, I mean, there's a lot of things I like about that. And so like one is that it's it's what people want to do anyway. So they they want to eat food, but they also want to be social. Like the reason people are at a conference is to meet people. So it's like, here's a great social activity, which is more interesting than the conference hotel bar or something. I love that it's not lame. Like I feel like a lot of conference sponsorships is just like, okay, you sponsor the conference. Therefore, you get one minute in front of the audience uh, to pitch your product in the sponsor segment and your logo on a slide or something, it's just like, ugh, like who pays attention to that? Nobody. Like those are, it's kind of a lame, traditional sponsorships are pretty kind of corny, I think. And, and really expensive. Like if you, if you want to sponsor a booth at RailsCom, let's say you want to spend $50,000. Well, uh, we don't want to spend $50,000. We want to spend $500. <laughs> and uh, you, you can do a burger bus for $500, right? Um, and, and the thing about the kind of conferences that we go to, like, the vast majority of the people who go are introverts, right? They're, they're typically not the outgoing, let's party it up all night kind of people, right? And so, but what kind of events do you see sponsored by companies? These big blowout bashes where they open bar and everyone's chatting and the volume's crazy and all this kind of stuff, right? It's, it's just not a good match. And so if you do like a dinner thing or, you know, whatever, that's like got 30 people rather than 300 people, right? You can sit down, you can meet somebody or two somebodies and, and have a good evening where you're eating. You're not forced to be at a bar, right? And it's a much more laid back atmosphere. And, and yeah, people love it. We love it, right? So why, let's do something that we enjoy. And, totally. And yeah. Yeah, that, that's such a good guiding principle. And I, that's, that's my favorite thing about running a company selling to people like me is that I can kind of go with that and just pay attention to that. Like, what would I want? How would I want to be treated? How, what kind of pricing would I would make sense to me if I were this person? Like, and, and that, that answer, I think, usually will, will serve me pretty well. Plus, you get the ex- exclusivity. Like, there's only 30 seats on the bus or 60 seats on the bus. And it's like, you got to register now. And it's like, just flips the whole thing on its head. It's, it's just great. Yeah, it is. 
Yeah, so we're actually like right now I'm thinking, what am I going to do for RailsConf this year? So if you have any suggestions, like feel free. I, I don't know yet. I don't know Minneapolis that well, so I got to figure something out. Although I will say we're sponsoring, we're joining up with um, uh, Mike Perham, the sidekick, and we're gonna we're gonna sponsor the the board game night, right? So I mean, that's that's another thing, right? It's like, what do people like to do? Hang out and chat and get together. So yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I like that you're thinking about it. So like a traditional sponsorship is kind of like, what are our goals? Well, I want everyone to know about us. I want them to know why our product is good. I want them to listen to our pitch. And yeah. you're thinking like, what do pe- what do the people want? Let's <laughs> right. give them that. And then they will associate our name with that good thing. And yeah. like that burger bus made me feel like Honey Badger was cool in a way that no booth or, you know, on stage thing would, would ever have done. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think when you're when you're bootstrapped, you definitely have to look for all those advantages that you have because the advantage that you don't have is lots of money, right? You just don't have that, and uh, you don't have necessarily the the brand recognition that some big sponsor is going to have. So you do things to help generate that brand recognition, to generate a good association with your name uh, and your product in, in their minds, right? I still have people come up to me saying, "Hey, I I was." I love that barbecue. Like I was, I was there that night, and it was a lot of fun. Thanks, right? And uh, yeah, it's, it's, and back to what you said. Like, do the things that I would be interested in. I think that's one of the benefits of starting a company where you're, where you are the target audience. Like, you know what resonates with you, right? Uh, as a developer, I know what kind of marketing really turns me off, so I'm not going to do that to people, right? Yeah, and it, I think a lot of times people in business forget that we're dealing with people, <laughs> and. Uh, was just be real just be who you are and and uh, some people will like that and some people won't and just stick to the ones that like that yeah and I've, I've heard you stress this in a couple of interviews and i really like this angle which is like you we like our customers they like us and we try to be really nice to them and take good care of them so they keep liking us and they keep buying from our business and it's there's this i feel like there's this temptation of thinking of business as this mercenary purely logical kind of experience where it's like the customer will choose uh, from a they'll they'll build a matrix and they will line up the features and the benefits and all that and the costs and then they will make a rational logical choice based purely on that and it's like oh, eh, not really though probably more like they're like oh yeah those honey badger guys are cool like we should use them they're they're nice people and you could you can like pay attention to that like the the people like buying from people that they like that I think is like a, a key insight especially in the early days I would think but probably going on for a long time yeah. And, you know, it's, I think it's okay if, if you decide that's not for you, like if, if you don't want to, if you want to be the kind of company that, that responds to RFPs and likes to fill out the check boxes on those security surveys, you know, um, that's, that's not a thing that we're really fond of at Honey Badger, but if that's you, go for it. That's cool, right? There's nothing wrong with that. I think uh, just, that's what I love about bootstrapping is that you get to decide what you got, what you like and what you're going to try. And if it doesn't work out, well, you have to get a real job, right? <laughs> but if it, yeah, but yeah, if it does, exactly. then how cool is that? You're right, exactly. Yeah, uh, that's why I'm. So like, we're we're so sh- we're we're focused on like hitting like ramen profitable now, and I'm. I think it'll be such a wonderful moment to arrive at that point because then it's like, okay, we we have like we're here. We we we're not going to die now, and so we can do this thing the way we want to. Like we can keep doing it the way we want to, and, and it's worked so far. So let's keep doing it. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, that feeling of, I'm hoping it'll, it'll be like a feeling, a feeling of freedom at that moment. I like that feeling of freedom. So what, what to you will say, 
when you get to that point, I'm feeling good. Like what, what kind of like policy or however you do your business, like what thing maybe has bugged you in the past that when you, when you feel like you've made it and you got it, like you'd be like, yeah, now I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> so this is maybe a personality flaw, but I am allergic to security questionnaires, vendor qualification. I'm allergic to things that feel like stupid uh, procedures that big companies want you to do because someone in a meeting decided this is how it would happen. Like if, if you're like, hey, we evaluate the security of things we install because that's smart and we have some smart tailored questions, that is a reasonable thing. But when I get the sense that like, this is just the stupid thing that you have to do because you have no power and like I'm talking to like the purchasing person that doesn't care about this and just exists to get checkboxes checked, I, I, I get frustrated so fast. Right now, we've been writing a doc, like a security details doc to make this process better because we get some of these questions. And that's the, that's the right answer, I think, at least for now. But like, to some degree, having made it is just being like, you know what? No. They're like, hey, here's a security question. They're like, we don't do those. Uh, here's a doc. Uh, if you have any other questions, uh, you could maybe email me. Uh, but if you need more than that, like, we just don't do that. So I think it's, I think it's saying no to that. Yeah. That means we've made it. But for now, I'll kind of do the dance more than I want to because, you know, we could definitely use the customers. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I, I yeah. totally get that. How do you handle those things? Like if people are like, hey, I want you to outbound sales me basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, we basically say no. We're not going to do that. Um, in a very polite way, of course, right? Because, I mean, they're people too. Um, but, you know, we, we like for example, we've, we've had requests from people who want to do a custom contract. And, uh, and they're large enough to ask for that. Right. But that's just not what, what I want to be spending my time doing, to be honest. And, and so we just say, no, I'm sorry, we're just not going to do that. Um, or we, we take like Patty 11's approach and say, Oh, you know, I think, a, 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 I don't know, five or whatever years ago at microconf, he was like, yes, I'll do that. If you sign up for this enterprise annual agreement, you know, so I've, I've used that a few times. Like people will say, oh, a lot of times people say, I want to pay by check. Well, you know, that means I have to go to my mailbox and I have to like sign the back of the check and I have to walk over to the bank. And that's just a hassle. Right? It's not a big deal, but it's just a hassle. And so we say, unless you want to subscribe to a large annual plan or, or more, we're not going to do that. And, you know, most people who want that, are they're not on a large annual plan. And so they're like, oh, well, OK, never mind. Yeah, which is perfect, right? Because I don't want to deal with that, and um, I want I want to be worth my while, and so that worth my while means you're going to be paying me whatever that is, right, per year. So, so yeah, I think we we're definitely we we definitely try to optimize for our personal happiness, and sometimes you have to accommodate things like um, you know GDPR was a huge hassle, right? Um, but really, we could ignore that because we. Uh, we could see that we would have a lot of customers who would be impacted by that. We have a lot of personal data that could end up in our database. And so like we just, we had to bite the bullet, right? We had to hire the lawyer. We had to fill out this stuff, you know? Um, but we tried to do it in a way that would be, you know, the least annoying as possible. So yeah, we did build that, that security document that you're talking about. Like here are our information security policies. So if you have any questions, here's our documentation. There you go. Um, and then for people who wanted a signed, you know, agreement, a DPA, we, we built, I think we copied from uh, Postmark, where it's like, you know, type in your email address, and we'll have this automated code generate the DPA PDF for you, and it'll be signed for you, and we don't have to touch it, right? 
like so, that. So yeah, so trying to minimize the annoyances, I think, is is huge. Totally. Yeah. Do you have any other like guiding principles that you feel like the company is like part of the company culture there? Yeah, I think customer service is is huge. Like we started the company because we had a credit customer service experience with a provider and and we just felt like we deserve better than that and we feel like developers deserve to have the best tools right so that's like our mission to give developers the best tools so they can have a better day and so i think customer service is part of that like as a developer if if the thing you're working on is broken and you can't fix it because it's a SaaS, well then you want someone who can fix it for you right and so we try to do our best to like oh i'm sorry it's not working yeah you're right that's totally broken um, but we'll fix that as soon as we can. And as opposed to just like, ah, oh, yeah, we'll get to that in a few days when we have nothing better to do, right? You know, um, so that's definitely a core principle. And I think just, again, going back to treating people like people, uh, you know, we have, if someone says, oh, you know, I haven't been using your service for a couple of months and I forgot to cancel my account. Well, you could say, well, our policy is, sorry, 30 days and that's it. Like, or you could say, oh, I totally get that. You know, we'll refund the past you know, three months that you haven't been using it. You know, so it's just little things like that. I think that if you're human, you know, you respond to like, oh, you know, thanks. Awesome. Well, we're, we're coming up on 45 minutes and I know you only work 20 hours a week, so I don't want to eat any more <laughs> of that time. It's precious. Plus, you're taking off next week from MicroConf. So that's true. We should we should probably wrap up pretty soon. <laughs> Awesome. Um, do you have any last uh, parting words or places you want to point people towards? No, I, except for, I, I will say, Printfection. Like, let me just give a shout out to Printfection. They're the ones that handle our t-shirts. So whenever anybody asks for one, all we have to do is give a link and boom, Printfection does the rest. So if you're looking to do the t-shirt thing, definitely check them out. I like that. Awesome. Very classy using your your, your shout out time for somebody else. <laughs> what a, What a guy. I will say, uh, I'll give, I'm going to give you a shout out, which is that I've been a Honey Badger customer in the past and we are now and it's a good product. So kudos to you. And if you're a developer looking for one, then you probably should check them out. Cool. All right. Show notes for this episode can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming, Ben. Thanks for your time.